How you doing? Well, last time on Manly Monday, my son Drew started interviewing me in that first half. He got deep. Well, now it's time for the second half and it only gets deeper. Next, Manly Monday. Samuel Tolley being interviewed by his son, Drew Tolley. Are you God's man? Are you a saved man? Weren't you called to righteousness? And holiness? It's time to step up. All of God's men must step up. We've laid back for far too long. We've avoided the fight. Now the enemy is strong. The sidelines, they are gone. And the battle lines have been drawn. This is a battle that starts on our knees. Or on our face if he's so pleased. God didn't call women to lead. Many called to take a stand. To stand for our families. To stand for our land. Many called to illuminate the way. Darkness must flee in the light of day. Men dedicated to him and him alone. Men who garner strength from his mighty throne. Oh my brothers, it's time to stand. And when we stand, it won't be alone. This is, so this is, it was more, so by the time you got to your 30s is when that stuff started to seem, started to become important to you. Well, what became, it started becoming important to me when I knew I had to get back to God. Because the life that I was living, the things that I was doing was, uh, I knew something was wrong with it. It wasn't godly. I, I knew I wasn't living a godly life. And and I started, once I started thinking about living a godly life, I started thinking about what I need to do, but I started thinking like the Democratic Party in them days was, was for abortion. The Democratic Party was for legalizing marijuana and stuff. The Democratic Party, from what I could see, the party that I'm supposed to be a part of was for things that to me seemed like well, they were against God. And I was trying to figure it out. And I was thinking, well, it doesn't, I mean, I want, these are the things that, you know, I'm a part of, but if I want to live for God, can I be a part of God and still be thinking about these things? So it was, so it was, it was your relationship coming back to God that started pushing you more towards becoming a Republican. It wasn't, no, it wasn't so much pushing me toward coming a Republican. It was pushing me toward wanting to find out how am I supposed to live right. And what would push me toward coming back to a Republican was trying to figure out why am I a Democrat? You know, and when the Challenger blew up, when the Challenger blew up, I listened to uh, President Reagan's speech about it. And see, you know, in those days, well, just like these days, you're a Republican, you're, you're the devil, they're evil, you know. And when I listened to his speech, I said, golly, this man don't sound like the monster they claim he is. I said, I mean, I don't understand. He just doesn't seem that way. And so then that made me want to start investigating. There was Got no it. internet. There was there were, I had to I had to investigate going to the library. So when you now as you like you're going through your twenties, you're messing up or you're doing whatever you're doing, and now you're getting towards your thirties, 
and you're starting to want to investigate what what is it that started to bring your life full circle back to wanting to know God? Like what brought you back? Well, the 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 thing was this. Um I believe like a lot of people believe that if I serve God, I'm not going to be able to have fun anymore. <laughs> I know people that believe that right now. I, I thought, you know what? But it was bothering me. I was having a problem. I remember one day hanging out with friends and, I, and we were drinking and smoking weed and stuff. And then I started talking about the Bible and the conversation just went really bad. And I realized into it, I said, I should never have done this. I can't talk about the Bible and, the, and people in these circumstances. This is no good. And I started having this conflict. Yes, I like to get high. I like to smoke weed. I like to do all this. I got this urging to get with God. And so I made a decision. I decided that I wanted to serve God more than have fun. So I made up my mind that I really wanted to serve God. And I thought that if I served him, I was never going to have fun anymore. <laughs> how, how did that decision, because that's a pivotal decision. It seems like that's a pivotal. That's going to change the trajectory of your life. You're saying, I don't want to have fun no more. I'm going to serve God instead of having fun at that particular period of time. Mm. How did that decision, when you actually committed to it, affect your relationship with close family and friends that may have not been on the same path as you? Well, it wasn't as simple as me making that decision or, or having that thought process. There was a process that I had to go through. And I'm, I'm not saying this is for everybody or everybody could do it, but this is what happened to me. I, uh, <clears throat> I used to live, I, I could walk to work in Pasadena from where I lived. Um, and I used to, uh, I used to like to smoke a joint on my way to work, you know, you just get high on high. So anyway, I'm walking down the street, smoking this joint. And in those days, I used to drink slits. They don't sell me those slits in the bottle. So, so here I am talking about, well, you know, to myself and I'm I say, you know, I, I don't know, Lord, you know, I need to quit something. Maybe I need to stop smoking this weed and, and keep drinking the slits. Maybe I need to quit drinking the slits. No, I need to stop smoking weed and quit drinking the slits. Or maybe I need to quit drinking the slits and just smoke weed. weed. <laughs> so I'm having this weird conversation as I'm smoking weed walking down the street. So then I just said, you know what, Lord? I want you to take the taste of everything out of my mouth. And I went on to finish my joint, went on to work did whatever I'm doing and I, I and I can't I can't give you a day a time uh a, a time span but I know I was still having this conflict between doing all this stuff and then wanting to read the bible or serve God so one night this is when I was still married to Bubba's mother it was me and her and cub I was in an apartment on Catalina I remember distinctly, I'm sitting down on the coffee table. I got my shoe box with weed in it. I got a six pack of uh, Budweiser. I got a, prime, a Presidente and we're sitting there watching Casablanca on TV and I'm blasted. And we're all blasted pretty much. And as I'm sitting there, it was like the spirit of the Lord within me said, okay, do you still want me to take the taste of everything out your mouth? And I said within myself, yes, do it. Um, now, nothing happened to me right then. <laughs> you know, and like I had this big sobering moment. Yeah. I'm still just as messed up as I was before I felt that. And we went on with whatever was happening that night. Anyway, the next morning, you know, I I, I told Charlotte, but with mom, I said, it's gone. She said, what gone? I said, everything, taste, gone. I don't get high no more. I don't drink. I don't smoke nothing. Well, you know, they thought she was, thought I was tripping real hard. You know, yeah. everybody thought I was tripping. But I was serious. 
And so then after the next day, I didn't want none. After a while, then after a while, people start wondering, wait a minute, you know, you know this, this is kind of weird. But he actually took the total desire for tobacco, weed, alcohol, any of that stuff. It was just, I mean, I didn't go through no withdrawals. I didn't have no pains. I didn't have nothing. I didn't have any desire for any of that stuff. And to answer your question, my relationship with a whole lot of folks got bad real quick. Hmm. One, of, one of the problems was mine because I was telling uh, Charlotte, I said, you know what? I don't want any more weed in this house. I don't want any more alcohol. I don't, I don't want none of that. And see, I wasn't being sympathetic to her um, because I was done, you know, but she wasn't done. She, sure. she was nowhere near being done. Uh, and, you know, her life, you know, she never got done, basically. And so then, you know, some of my friends that I would hang out with, uh, they didn't want to hang out with me anymore, you know, because of uh, I, I didn't do, I, you know, some friends to the day don't want to hang out with me because I wasn't doing those things that we used to do. But what I found out down the line and then what I found out made me angry and I was angry for a very long time. I was angry at myself because I found out that I never had as much fun as I've had since I surrendered my life to the Lord. All that time when I used to get high, chase women, do all this other stuff, I thought I wasn't, that was fun. And I thought I wasn't going to have fun no more. But once I surrendered to him, once I let all that stuff go, once I just gave it to him, then I found out what real joy was, what real fun was. And for a long time, I was bitter at me because I wasted so many years chasing after an illusion wow yep so those friends that you some of them you still have in your life right now they stopped that relationship got worse um did you just replace them or did you well, kind of did that same mindset of like well if you don't like my car then i'm going you know i'm you, you don't like me was it the same was it the same mindset well most of them are gone. No, I, I don't want to say. I mean, me and Cub always stayed friends. You know that. Mm -hmm. we, we stayed friends. Me and Gregory, we're still friends. Uh, Hermie's gone. Um, Arthur's gone. Uh, you know, some people went different routes. Um, you know, I used to hang out with some of the people I used to hang out with. We just don't hang out with anymore. And obviously, mm -hmm. I don't even live in the same town. I haven't lived in the same town in 30, 40 years. But, uh, um, uh, you know, it's just that some people you make them uncomfortable, mm. you know. So, and I'm not gonna sit around with folks doing stuff if that's what they want to do. So, you know, but I'm 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 good. So you make it all right. Well, we now we go from you being in your 20s, you go through all the stuff, God takes the taste out of your mouth. Um, you've already had a child by this time yeah shalon i believe and bubba right yeah so you already had children by this point and are you are you now i guess father and all it was it bubba papa and and shalon at the same time or how like how is that dynamic i don't understand the question like were you were you were they all in the same place or were they in different places like how how was that well Shalon lived with her mother. She never lived with me. She would, I would see her all the time. We had a relationship. Uh, as long as I was with Bubba's mother, and Papa was with me. So we were always together while we were together. And then, and then was there, because, you know, I'm, as you know, I'm a, I'm a stepfather, right? Mm -hmm. We have, I have two step sons, and then you have, you know, my daughter. And now you also were, were a stepfather and a lot of the things that I had mirrored within the relationship, you know, as far as my relationships with one Siobhan and then also with, with Kayla that, we're, that I'm with now, I, I, I found that I had mirrored 
things that I that I learned from you <laughs> was okay. it, I, I had heard a, a person talk about becoming a stepfather that it was something that yeah. was looked up to back in the day in the 60s and 70s as this man took on another man's responsibility to 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 help that family but then you know in our time now it's not looked up to we almost looked at as like a negative not really? looked up yeah you looked at it as a they call it like a simp or you looked at it as somebody that is um not not a you're not looked up as like a person of, of value you look down upon when you're a stepdad because it's like oh you have to take over care of somebody else's dad or somebody somebody else's son somebody else's daughter well you could have had your own they but they stepped out and you did it like a simp so you're taking care of their stuff it's like it's looked at as a negative thing now wow um so when you when you stepped in is that was it true that you it was looked at as like man you know you thank you for stepping in and being a stepfather for someone else's child that's not yours was it was is that a true statement that I'm hearing or is that just something I'm just hearing I don't it's, I don't recall it being an issue either way um I don't I don't, I don't I don't recall it being anything. Uh, I don't definitely don't remember nothing being negative. Really? Uh, I mean, Papa's biological father was Philadelphia someplace. I never met him, but uh, you know, Mama, the old man. Nobody ever treated him any different than anybody else. So, I you know, I don't believe in you know. No, for, for me, I, I treat I try to treat the kids the same. I don't want nobody to feel like, oh, well, you know, you're on this tier, but hey, you down here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I, that's that's no good, you know. So, so with you growing up the way that you grew up within the home, with the dad, your dad's not there. Yeah. Who did you mirror or model your parenting style after? Like, like, what was it that you were saying, like, to yourself, I'm going to parent this way because I seen this man or that man? Or did you just kind of make it up as you go? Made it up as I go. Wow. Yeah, I didn't have nobody to mirror nothing else. I mean, I just, I knew, okay, I knew, I knew what not to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If the kids want to play sports, okay, support them. Get them their equipment. Don't give them no garbage. Mm. You know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like we talked about different stuff that you could have used or running. I didn't know nothing about that stuff, but I'm not going to, mm. I, I never, you know, I wasn't going to give you guys garbage. I was going to make sure you had whatever it is you needed. You know, if it means sitting out there in the cold to support them, sit out there in the cold to support them, <laughs> you know, yeah. whether it's, you know, whether it's at night, whether it's in Vegas and it's freezing, whatever, you know. We had to go way up there in the hill to China Lake or all this garbage. You know, I, I I knew what not to do. I knew to me the most important thing was to be there. You know, that 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 I knew. I knew I had to be there. And I knew that uh no matter what um I may have been going through. Or, you know, I mean, your mother, or whatever, as far as family, finances, and all this other kind of crap, <clears throat> don't bring that to the kids and to make sure, you know, that they got what they need to, to take care of, you know, their day to day. So, yeah. so, so, so my, if you want to talk about my style, my style was, was to avoid the stuff that I knew, you know, hurt me. Yeah. So you, so you, mom had talked about uh, when she was working at Bank of America that she had a lot of good managers and she had a lot of bad managers. And she said that she would learn a ton more from the bad managers than the good managers because they told her what not to do. Hmm. So, in your experience, since you had some bad that you could be able to say, all right, you know what, I know not to do that, I'm going to do this one. So that's, so now, you know, me growing up, I can see. These games in Tehachapi, <laughs> these games in in Rosamond, and, and yeah. you know these baseball games out there in the cold when it was raining. 
and all this different stuff and you and you guys being out there there was never a time where i went to a game and one of one one or not both of you wasn't there you know and so i appreciate that and hearing how you grew up and then how you took that information it's almost like you know you have those you have those people that say oh man you know what oh man i drink because my daddy drinks Mm. you know i'm a criminal because my daddy's a criminal and that's how you know my, my mom was a criminal that's the reason why and they had this they had this this thing is because i grew up that way i'm that way but yeah. you you took it like because i grew up that way i don't want the people that i love to have to go through what i went through because i know how it feels well i remember i don't know if it was it probably was bubba or somebody you know, I was somebody was cussing one day or something, and I would say, "Where'd that come from?" Mm. You know, because because I know you ain't heard me talking like that. So, so where'd that come from? You know. So yeah, you know, you there, there's a lot that you 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 learn, and I, as I'm sure you learn it, you know, as you go. But yeah. uh, when, when you when you when you see mistakes. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I could have did better as a parent. You know, I, I realize, you know, particularly on a theological end and stuff, there's a lot of stuff I could have did better. But, you know, you can't go back and do, you, there's no do-overs. <laughs> you know, yeah. once it's over, it's over. You do what you can do, and then you hope that what you, you, you did was enough. And then it can make up the difference. But, uh, no, I just tried to avoid... Uh, the mistakes um, that I had to live through. So if I can avoid some of them, you know, I'm, a, I'm sure I made some, but at least I will, you know, try to avoid the ones that I know I could avoid. Yeah. Before I kind of move on to the, the next subject, was there, with you doing this and you being intentional with not wanting to do the same mistakes that you grew up with, was there something that you wanted your kids to do? Like, did you want them to leave some type of legacy? Did you want them to become successful in a particular subject? Or did you just want, what did you want from the kids? What was your expectation on them? To be self-sufficient, to be able to take care of yourself, to understand that the day was gonna come when I wasn't gonna be there. Um, so you can take care of your, you know, you don't be dependent on the government, dependent on, you know, different folks that, uh, you can take care of yourself, you know, now, whatever your dream was, you know, that's up to the individual. But I, what I want folks to be self-sufficient and, and of course, as far as family, <coughs> I want them to be able to, uh, um, be there for their kids. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well then now, that was, those are big for me to be able to know why you ended up parenting and being the way that you were. Cause I mean, I remember you would go from Lake LA all the way down the hill and come back up the hill every single day for years. And some days I would see that you'd be, you know, stressed out of your mind, but still try to make some time for us. You know, how, how did you handle the, the home that being a husband, then you know and trying to be the leader of the family you know having a wife and trying to be the leader of her and then having the kids and trying to stay in their life how did you balance all that stuff together like how did you work that 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 teeter tot <laughs> great to god you know just it went on the fly i mean you know you was building the plane in the air huh you were building the plane in the air it was just yeah, it was just you know we, um, I, yeah, it was just just trying to make it happen. So this stuff wasn't really like oh I've got to do this I got to it's just you just doing it you were just doing it pretty much. Gotcha. All right. Well, I wanted to I wanted to I know we're about to wrap it up. Well, we've already we the a <clears throat> gonna cut some. Or make it in a part, and well, we're gonna have to cut some. I'm already seven minutes over, so right. it's either 
I can always make it a part two. What you want to do? We can. We can. That's up to you. You know, we get here, and I can just. This is part one. This is part two. You know, so it ain't gotta be a whole. uh, You know, like it's over an hour now. It could be an hour and a half, and I just make it a forty-five minute. You know, part one, part two, or whatever. So if you got some more stuff, while you got it, give you another thirty. Another thirty. Yeah. uh, Yeah, we can go. All right. All right. So, all right. So now we got to the point to where um, you're you're thirties. You're in your thirties now. Turned turned. Um, I'm leaving pretty soon to meet mom. Right. So first of all, I guess how did you how did you guys meet? Uh, yeah. How did you how did you even meet mom? How did that even work out? Um. Well, I met her through um, your um, through Beverly. Uh, she worked at the bank where Beverly worked. And so Beverly said, I guess um, she told me or something that I sounded like her friend or told her friend I sounded like me. So I went over there to meet her. And so you guys eventually, you know, meet, talk, get married, right? All that, all that stuff, right? Um, was there a decision when you got married where you said, well, we're never going to get divorced. This is not happening. No matter what we're doing, we're going to always go through. Or was it more of like a thing where you're like, you know what, we're going to take this one year at a time. We don't know. No, it was a, no we wasn't going. It was a, it was, it was a, it was, it's going, it was like what it was to death do your part. And that was for both of you guys. Yeah. And so did you, do you know how when in the Bible it says when you find a wife, you find a good thing? Yeah. Did you know from the beginning that you found a good thing or did it take a while for you to find out that you found a good thing? No, I knew. Okay. And was there, was there a challenge bringing the families together? What's family? You mean you kids? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, not you. Well, I always looked at it as like it was a quilt and you were the glue. <laughs> I was the glue? Right. The quilt. Okay. Because you had the Bubba, Papa, and then Papa left, and then it was you, Bubba, and Jessica, and then then you. So obviously, you know, Jessica came from her side, Bubba came from my side, and you came from both sides. So so I always, I, I mean, that was my mindset. It was like a quilt and you were, you were the glue. Was it was it difficult trying to figure all those things out and keep them together, or was it just pretty easy once you got the quilt together? No, no. I mean, like I said, I always treat everybody the same. You know, I mean, when I say treat everybody the same, I didn't have preferences on on people, but everybody was an individual. You know, you yeah. had your own idiosyncrasies. Bubba had his, and so did Jessica. So yeah, so I asked because on 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 my side. I'm working with multiple families, right? And so it's not just my family that's getting together. It's another family and another, you know, and then the other family trying to figure out how to be able to work with all this ecosystem. Well, I had to work with Jessica. Well, I didn't have to work with her, but your mother had to work with Jessica's father for a while, but then he pretty much took himself out of the picture. So once he took himself out of the picture, I didn't have to deal with it. You know, as far as your grandparents is concerned, they had their concerns about me at first. Um, I think it was more of your grandfather, but he didn't know me. And, you know, he was used to people that were subservient to him. And he found out very quickly two things. I wasn't going to be subservient to him, but I was going to be loyal to his daughter. So I think after a while, uh, he got to respect me. Um, they they seen that I was, you know, I was a real person, but I wasn't going to be playing soft. I mean, I wasn't disrespecting them or nothing or him, but, you know, everybody else, I, I, you know, sort of made him, I don't know, the big man or something. I mean, I didn't disrespect him or nothing, but, yeah. you, know, you know, for the most part, we got along. So now you got you got this family cohesion quilted together. 
when did you and I'm I'm assuming by this time is you're getting close to what your 40s something around there you're just throwing stuff out there but uh, okay let's see okay so I'm thinking that you're around your 40s or you're getting close to your 40s you're somewhere around there you got the house you got everybody together now I'm trying to figure out when did you start kind of heading towards because you said because in the 30 the early 30s you had the whole Democrat thing where you're I'm a Democrat. I don't know why I'm a Democrat. I'm just a Democrat. And then you're like, well, this dude on this TV screen is, is speaking. He don't sound like he's an idiot. He sounds like he's somebody that is, is reasonable. But I, I now I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm married. I got my family. I got I, now I'm more getting closer to God. I'm trying to figure out when was the transition to man. You know what? I think I want to go into the Republican and become a Republican and start speaking that because I don't think that these other people. No, I was, I was, I was, I changed before I got married to your mother. Okay, talk about that. It was probably around eighty-five or so, like eighty-six. Like I said, whenever that Challenger explosion, um, whenever that was, um, at the tail end of the Reagan administration, is around when I changed. Once I started, you know, once I, like I said, when I listened to Reagan's speech. And uh, I said, this guy don't seem like the monsters here. See, in them days, I used to believe the news media. I used to believe what they said. Mm -hmm. I believe, you know, I used to get an independent star news newspaper every day. And sometimes I'd get the LA Times. When I read the newspaper, if it said bang, 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 I said, oh, that's the news. That's the truth. I, mm -hmm. I listened to Jerry Dumphy mm -hmm. or, uh, or, or uh, Walter Cronkite or all these different people on the news. Oh, that's the, that's the news. That's the truth. So I believe the newspaper, I believe the TV reporters, I believe all this stuff was real. And somewhere along the line, I was told that black people, that the, that the uh, Republican Party was a party of the Ku Klux Klan and Jim Crow and all this stuff. I just accepted that as reality because everybody was saying that, or a lot of, not everybody, but the people would let us believe that. But once I looked at... Uh, the situation with uh, Ronald Reagan, once I saw his speech on after that explosion and that desire to, to understand why is the Democratic Party for this stuff and I'm supposed to be for the Democrat Party and why is the Republican Party supposed to be evil, I knew I had to deal with political issues because I wanted to be a uh, an informed citizen at that point in time and I knew part of being an informed citizen is a vote. So I started going to the library and looking up history, look up the history of Jim Crow, of the civil rights movement, of the of the Klan, of all this stuff. And I found out that all that stuff was Democrats, that the Democrats was a party of the Klan. The Democrats was a party of, of, of Jim Crow, the Democrat and uh, Woodrow Wilson resegregated the, the, the federal government. I found out all these things and it started blowing my mind that, that Abraham Lincoln and the Republican Party was a party of abolition, the party of the free and the slaves, you know, and, and I was I was shocked. And so once I was shocked and found out all this stuff, I said, wow, I've been lied to all these years. And then uh, I wanted to tell people, I wanted to share with people. And I started trying to share it with people, with my friends and stuff. And what blew my mind was I started running into a brick wall. What did you mean? They didn't want to hear it. Well, I mean, when you would tell them, what would they say or would they not say anything? The first thing is that they didn't believe it. And, and see, the way it went was like this. For a long time, black people that I would know and stuff, they didn't believe it. Yeah, it was the, the Republicans, they still believe the Republicans are racist. And they say Democrats love black people. Democrats care for black people. This was the mantra. This was the thought. If you're black, you vote the straight Democrat line. And once I started telling people that it was for Jim Crow, that Jim Crow was uh, from the Democrat Party and all this other stuff, after a while, not just me, but people would tell folks stuff. And after a while, it got to the point where they couldn't deny the evidence. So, so then... The next greatest thing they did was said, yeah, that was true, but they all switched sides. <laughs> when Richard Nixon was president, it was true, he but then they switched sides to the Democratic side. Yeah, the Republicans went to the Democrats and the Repo Democrats went to the Republicans. 
and 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 so they had it was a southern strategy or some mess they said and <clears throat> this is what they were saying so i'm saying are you meaning to tell me that republicans were the winners and they decided to become the losers the republican party was the party of lincoln and freed the slaves of it now they want to be the party of the ku klux klan that even these these these, these segregation uh racist Klansmen and Ku Klux Klexers and all these, and now they all of a sudden want to be Republicans? Are you mean to tell me that these folks wanted to play musical chairs? See, and people would buy that stuff. But it was a lie. It was a lie to help keep people in place. And, and to this day, now, now when I talk to many of the, the Democrat friends that I have that don't, that don't, uh, that, that still talk to me. They don't go around saying, oh, the Democrats love black people no more. Now they'll say stuff like, well, both parties are bad. Mm. And then their attitude's like, well, we know this devil, so we might as well stick with the one we know instead of go to the one we don't know. We so know I this guess devil. The, I guess to a degree, we're making a little progress. So, so when did you start? Because, I mean, now, I, ever since I've known you, you were in politics. Yeah. You know, ever since I was able to, you would have something playing in the kitchen. It'd be loud. You'd be listening to some talking head on the, on the, um, on the TV. And this was been your, you know, this was, this was what I knew about you. Yeah. And when did you, I wanted to wake black people up. I was sick of it. So it was early. As soon as you, as soon as you found the information, you started to tell people like, Hey, this is the wrong, you're getting the wrong stuff. Right. Right. But you've always getting the same wall that you're hitting. Uh, there's, 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 there's leaks in the wall. There's people that's been changed. I mean, I can't confess to inspiring a lot of change. I, I know a few people that have changed after listening to myself. But there's a lot of folks out there now that 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 is now. And see, they would try to shame you. They would try to make, oh, you're Uncle Tom. You're a coon. You're a sellout. You know, they, they try to make you feel like you're you're awful. And see, one of the one of the one of the best things that happened to black folks is this for you, this 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 Biden administration. This is one of the greatest things that happened to black folks. Because, you know, and see the news media is so corrupt. They were sitting out here talking about how how mentally incompetent Trump is and how he's gonna lead us into World War III and how he's gonna ruin everything. But we had the greatest economy in my lifetime when he was president and a lot of black folks made money. But once Biden came in here, you know what gas is, you know, past $7 a gallon in California. I mean, it, it, it costs half of your child just to get a loaf of bread these days. You know, everything is, is, is through the roof. It wasn't like this when Trump was in the office. And then you get this guy, uh, Biden, talking about, well, if you don't know the difference between me and Trump, you ain't black, and all this other racist stuff that he does. And these Democrats say nothing. But these folks can see what's happening. And, and then he lets, you know, they, the, the news media was screaming at Trump because he wanted to fix the wall. And now Biden let in 7 to 20 million illegal aliens. And then what? Now, all of a sudden, Biden wants to put up some wall? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and see, the only reason why he wants to put up walls is because these Democratic states is, is, is screaming. Because, you know, in New York and Chicago, they can't take care of all this crap. So, so unfortunately, there are a lot of people that are stuck on pride. And, and, and they're too proud to want to admit, hey, you know what? Uh, maybe I was wrong about this. See, when I found out that the Democratic Party wasn't what I thought the Democratic Party was or what I was told the Democratic Party was, I would tell people right away. And I didn't care. I mean, my attitude is I don't want to get screwed. And I'm not going to sit over here and pretend like I ain't getting screwed. If I'm getting screwed, I want to let people know. Yeah. So that's what I did. So yeah, if That's you felt do. like you were getting screwed, you want to say, "Hey, I want to stop everybody else from being able to get screwed." And even if they don't, even if they know they're getting screwed, at least you got the chance to tell them. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, is, they, is this the reason why you? Is this the reason why you continue with trying to reach out to the community within YouTube or within whatever space? I mean, in 2013, I could, I think it was 2013, 
That's when you had wrote your book, Enemy of Christ. That seemed like another way of you trying to reach people. Yeah, so is well, this the reason why you're reaching people? Right. Well, that was more of a theological frame book. That didn't necessarily go toward Democrats. But when I, I first went online, social media, should I say, in 2011, and I made a decision when I was going to go on social media before I did it, because I would see people post stuff like, you know, I, I had a nice fried chicken dinner today. Or somebody say, yeah, I had a good bowels move. I mean, you know, some stuff that's kind of okay. <laughs> Too much information. So I said, I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try my best to post scripture daily if I can. I haven't been successful. I do it a lot, but I, I miss some. But I want to post scripture and I want to tell the truth. And so I've been posting scripture since 2011 and I've been telling about the differences between the political parties and the fact that uh, trying to hopefully help black people wake up. Um, and, I, and see, people get this weird thought. Oh, he wants to be, I, I don't care if you're a Republican or not. That doesn't, that's not important to me. What's important to me is number one, that you know the truth. And number two, that you don't be voting for folks whose positions are antithetical to God. If you serve him, if you serve him, then follow him. Even if you want to stay in the Democrat Party, you make sure you get those jokers out of there that are against God. You know, so as and people say, oh, he's a he's a he's a Trump uh, uh, um, cultist or some mess. If if Trump turns, you know, and, and points out to God something that's totally antithetical to God, I, I get rid of Trump too. My my thing is this: if I have two people to vote for, I want to vote for. The person or the party or the position that is closer to a biblical worldview than the one that ain't. And in these days, the stuff is getting real simple. When you got folks that want to teach you about or say that a boy could be a girl and a girl could be a boy, then they're cutting off uh, uh, children's genitals and mutilating them and all this kind of nonsense. Yeah. The Democratic Party is pushing that. I don't understand how anybody could be in favor of that yeah i've heard that it's it's basically saying that the democratic party is pushing the insane and the republican party is pushing the sane that that's it but the, i think the challenge between the democratic party and the republican party is the democratic party will play ball when it comes to politics anything goes for them they'll play as dirty as you want and on the republican party they won't and and then the Democratic Party has more lines of communication that they'll play ball with than the Republican Party. So the, it doesn't really matter. It's one of those things in marketing where they where they say something where it doesn't matter if it's good news or bad news. As long as you're talking about me, it's a it's a good thing for me. And that's kind of what the Democratic Party does. Well, the Democratic Party, from where I, where I see it, is no matter how evil the position is, they will stay together 100 percent. They, well, they, it seems like they'll do that or else they'll yeah. cut you out because yeah. when you go again oh, yeah. they'll somebody, cut you they'll, yeah. They'll, yeah. Cut yeah. You. yeah they'll make you you gotta go you'll be an example so yeah so so yeah they'll stay together and the republican party is fighting uh amongst themselves so so i'll give the democratic party credit in the fact that they will they they stick together so um I know we're about to wrap it up soon, but there's a couple questions. Since you've been on this earth for 70, mm. what do you know, what do you see that's different about the America that you see maybe back in the 60s, 70s compared to the America that you see now? When I was a little kid, you used to ride up and down. We used to live on a street called Pepper Street. And you could ride up and down the street um, and don't worry about it. Don't worry about uh, the kids, you, kids could play down the street. They number one, kids used to play in the dirt when I was a kid. You know, now I rarely see kids out in the street playing. I, I got a couple of kids down the street that I was surprised they were playing hide and seek. You know, that's a that's a that's a phenomenon these days to me because most kids are 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 so tapped up in their computer stuff. Uh, but kids could play. Um, we didn't have to worry about nothing at the same time if a kid act like a fool down the street they might get a whooping down the street sent home and by the time they get home the parents have got a phone call where they're going to take care of them when they get there 
you know so there there was a there was a lot more respect when i was a kid um that i can recall than what there is now there was never no confusion about what you were there was no such thing as well he was assigned uh as a, a male as a child there was never there, there was none of this kind of stuff i used to, when i was a kid i used to trust the uh medical um like you know the pharmaceutical the, industry the medical the, the 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 pharmaceutical medical industry you know i used to believe what the doctor says i thought the doctor we used to have matter of fact they even had house calls in those days i remember uh dr holmes there was one doctor i don't know if i thought his name was dr holmes h-o-m-e-s was probably h-o-l-m-e-s or something but he'd come yeah. with a little black bag and check you out and stuff at your house and you know they 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 took care of you um but see now i you know like you i'd be scared to death of my my kids even taking them to go get injections what what are you what are you trying to shoot up in them you know uh yeah so i i used to trust vaccinations i used to trust the medical industry even when you guys were kids i wasn't worried about that kind of stuff you know uh these days I don't even trust my own self. I got to think when I'm going to be talking to my doctor when I go in there. Uh, we're going to have a big discussion because of medication I decided I didn't want to take. So there's there's a, there's a lot. There, there was more trust then. There, there, there was a more co Even though we had crap and we had problems as a society, I think the society is more cohesive then uh, um, than it is now. And what is strange to me, and since I was a child, I didn't understand this, but I want to look at back at it historically, as far as the black family was concerned, the black family was in much better shape than before the civil rights era. Uh, and people like to hearken to, well, we had the civil rights area, 1965, 64. Yeah, we got the Voting Rights Act. We, 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 we got the uh, Housing Act. But what happened to the family? You know, the family got destroyed, you know, uh, and the society as a whole got changed from the dynamic. Like I said, when I was a kid, the, you, when I said that there was families, uh, at least seven kids, seven to nine kids. Some people had 12, 13, you know, but I'm talking about the average seven to nine. Now, maybe two. If that. Yeah, maybe. maybe and the mother could stay home. And I'm talking about the families that had the father and mother. The mother could stay home and dad would make enough money to take care of the family. It's now, not like that no more. Even when you was a child, both of us worked. It's not, it's not even, it's nowhere close to that. When I was, when I, when I went into dating again after my divorce, uh, and I went into dating, most of the women that I met, if they were in their 20s, they didn't want anything serious until they went into their 30s. It, it, it's not like they want that mo, most women nowadays they don't want to have a child in there from from 18 to 30. they want to start having children at 35. wow they want and they want to they don't want a, a serious husband or a serious boyfriend in their 20s they want to have that at 33 34 35 because they feel like they want to go to their you know get a degree first and then get a, this job and make sure their career is on I don't know where that mindset came from, but they don't believe in that the husband or the man is really important until they want a baby. And then once they have the baby, if the and, and, and once they have the baby, the husband can be thrown out. And that's that's been the that's what I found as a mindset. So when I was I remember when I was looking for I was looking for a wife the whole time. So when I was looking for a wife, um, one of the biggest things that I saw was. I wanted I had everybody that I had dated from a teen's year from because te I didn't really have any navigational system because I never really asked you about dating. That was kind of a secretive thing. It was what it was one of those things you don't it was kind of like you stay in a child's place and you kind of keep the child stuff away from the parents because that's not their business. So maybe that's on our interview. I don't know. You know, the reverse side. So you can see the other the opposite side of how we thought. But mm. uh, from a teenager all the way until siobhan every person that i had dated didn't have a dad mm. all of them 
None of them. And I had found out that that was a me thing. Remember Bubba talked to me about Keisha and, and said something like, uh, it ain't her, it's you. But it was, I kept picking the same person over and over and over again as the person that needed me that didn't have a father. So one of the guidelines that I had put for myself when I was in, when I was looking for a wife this next time was I wanted a person that had a mom and a dad at home like I did. And when I found Kayla, that was a completely different person than these other people that I had dated, had a different mindset, was looking more so wanting a family instead of not just wanting to be out in the streets and wanting to be this big person that everybody viewed as, you know, you know, spectacular. Right. And so I, I brought that up because it seems as though this, this shift of having nine kids, that's a, that's a relic now. You're not yeah. doing that no more. Oh, now that would be something people would look down upon with you. you yeah, you're looking down. Or, or you got to be really rich because you got to have a job and a half per kid in order to be right. able to fund it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty wild stuff there. Uh, I know we're probably running out of time. Uh, I know I got other things that I could be able to bring up, but I think that'll be maybe for another time. All right. So, well, we can look at trying to do some another time. But so, well, let me close this out in a little piece of prayer and then hang on when we I cut it off for a second. All right. Lord, we just praise you and thank you for this opportunity to talk, talk to my son, him, you know, talk to me. And we don't we we pray that this conversation will help other men, you know, godly men, uh, some millennials and some boomers, maybe them and their dad can talk, or some other folks. We just hope it'll help somebody some kind of way. But in all we do and all we say, we want to give you glory and praise. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.